Hi, the following podcast is brought to you by Radical Road Brewery, the best craft beer in the heart of Leslieville. Find them at 1177 Queen Street East. That's Radical Road Brewery. Hi, my name is Amai Kuda. I am the lead singer of the musical movement Amai Kuda et les Bois. And we are, I'm here to speak about our new project, Emergency. Welcome to the music. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Perfect. Thank you. We're we're excited to have you join us today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having us. Me. Yeah. (laughs) So a quick question that I had right off the top. Um, You're obviously a a musician and artist, but you're also known around the community as an organizer, as a community organizer. Um, I'm I'm curious here, what what came first and how does one sort of feed the other? Uh, That's a very good question. And it's not necessarily that easy to answer, but I mean, as a child, I was always into music. I, uh, you know, wanted to be a, oh my goodness, sorry about that. I wanted to be a, uh, a, a musician and visual artist. I'm just going to put my phone on airplane mode. I'm sorry about that. Um, and, uh, and then I was also very, very passionate about uh, social issues and animal rights. Um, mm-hmm. And so, um, so that, was, that was part of my childhood. And then by the time I got into university, that sort of passion, as you know, universities are a great uh, sort of feeding ground for connecting to other um, passionate young people. And so I started, co-founded a bunch of different organizing, uh, community organizations that are usually mostly focused on decolonization, um, supporting Indigenous, local Indigenous people, creating conversations between Indigenous people and non-Indigenous people, as well as working on decolonization work for people of African descent. Um, and I really felt at that time, I think, I, I guess my zealous kind of carried me away. And I felt like, you know, there was no time in life to do superfluous things like the arts, because for myself, that would have been an indulgence. I need to just focus on like all these problems in the world. Um, and then I think I kind of had a, a bit of a spiritual awakening that happened after I left university and had my son, where I was kind of called back to it, where my spiritual... The, ancestors the guides who I work with uh told me to sing and I was like okay well maybe that's the best way to make change in the world and I think I think that's really uh um I do see that as the the two things are inseparable I I see music um the way it's made a difference historically and I I feel very strongly that that that, uh the work that I we create um is part of that and that sometimes you're shifting things more through you know you can tell people you can uh sort of talk at people or tell people like you know, this is what you should think. This is what's right. This is what's wrong. But, but sometimes that doesn't work. You know, we can't, we can't always think our way into being a better society. Sometimes we have to feel our way into it. And, and I think yeah. music and the arts is, is the, one of the most powerful ways to do that. I must say though, congrats on the album. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, Thank you very much. Yeah. I, I, we, I gave, we gave it a listen this past weekend and um, it actually shocked me. Because when I when I got the album, I'm looking at it. I'm I'm going. I, I don't know what sort of music is on this. You know, you can sometimes you can take a look at an album, and you can say, uh, I remember decades ago seeing the album "Bad Out of Hell" by Meatloaf in my cousin's house, <laughs> and I looked at that album, and I go, man, that's some devil music uh, in that album because it's it's just it's like. It's like a beast riding a motorcycle and there's fire and it just looks like it's coming out of hell. And yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And I'm thinking, wow, my big cousin's really into some heavy, heavy music. And then you listen to Meatloaf and it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's melodic. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, and so I'm looking at your album and I go, I, I, I can't guess. I, I have no clue what I'm going to, what I'm going to hear. And then I started listening to it and I sort of did a double tick and I go, this is amazing stuff. You know, there was some, I think one of the first song or the first couple of songs, there's some hip hop influence in it that, that I sort of got out of it. I go, this is some, and it's, it's there's a mix. It's very eclectic. And uh, it was just amazing to sit down and listen to. So congrats on that. And thanks for making a great album. Thank you so much. That means a lot. Like I, I can feel the genuineness in what you're saying. It's really cool to, to sort of get people's reactions to it. Um, you never really know, you know, as an artist, what, you know, we hope that people are going to enjoy it and also, you know, enjoy the ride and feel that the music is, you know, not too all over the place. So it's really cool to hear that, 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 um, that you enjoyed that eclecticness. Cause like, I love all different types of music. So I don't like, it just doesn't work myself into one box. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to do that. And I wouldn't want to listen to a playlist. that's just like one type of music. So, Yeah. I know, I know you started, I know you started working or I think it would be amazing to be able to play with your son. You're playing with your son in the band mm-hmm. right? in part, part of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how did, not necessarily for this album, but even the sort of the progression of the music, how did, how did that influence like working with your, your child? I mean, I got goosebumps thinking about that. <laughs> you know, how, how did that influence the sound and the feel and the, the message? That's interesting. Like if you, I mean, speaking to the sort of history of that, you know, at the beginning, my very first album uh, in 2011, you know, it's just like sort of sampling his voice there. And if you listen to it, you can sort of hear him there. It's a five-year-old or something. And it's just cute, you know, you're putting your kid on. Um, And then, you know, but, you know, he's growing up in a musical family, both my family and his, uh, his father's uh, was separated, but he's also a musician. And so he's just surrounded by music. And so, yeah, it's the part of him and it was just natural for him to be playing music with us. Um, and again, like for me, I'm, I'm not very, um, I don't lean towards like categories, like like there's a fluidity in, in how I see life and how I, I try to do things. And so, yeah, my son is part of my life. My, you know, as a musician, you work from home. So it's just like, it's all just, just living, you know, and he's there, he's a part of it. And then with this project, like, you know, all the time it's in the past, it was more him sort of being there and being part of what I was doing, our music and our sound. Um, but now he's a teenager and he's got his own thing right like he's into mm-hmm. he's into some metal which i'm not so much into but, <laughs> right. but he's also yeah he's into a, uh, an array of, of sounds and he's getting into production so he's like he's teaching himself to produce taught himself to play keys as well and uh and so i thought you know i'll give him a chance let him let him see what he can do on on this uh for some of this production uh for the production for this this project like i used to for my for my very first, first project i did some production but then I decided I wanted to shift away, like, again, like wanting to spend less time with computers. Um, so it's like I, 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 I do still do some, but I, I didn't want to sort of invest my time in becoming a producer um, and really mastering the equipment in that way. I wanted to focus on other aspects. And so it's just mm-hmm. been this really cool thing as he's sort of developed that passion. Um, and then we can sort of collaborate together as he has these really awesome ideas. You know, again, he's into hip hop, he's into rock. And so which way was like a perfect sort of fusion of the things that he's into and I'm into. Mm-hmm. And um, that was one of the ones we did together as well as Listen Child, which it's like he was just messing around on the keyboard and I just came and started singing and being able to just... Uh, to jam with your yeah. with your kid, with your family. It's a lot of fun. Hey, so what you're saying, Amai, is that your next album is going to be a rock album. Is that a metal it? album? A metal. 
you're so <laughs> it's really funny that you said that he was literally trying to play a bunch of metal songs He's like would you cover this could you cover this mom it's like oh my god Kuna, please <laughs> but it might you know he's working on it so now you put your uh, your vote for that and <laughs> we'll see it might happen <laughs> all right there we go i look forward to that we have we'll have to get your son on the uh the podcast soon and Absolutely. Uh, and, and and talk about that um was was there pressure to to have your son become involved in music or or was that something that you know happened um after spending time with uh with you and his dad definitely not pressure um i mean i do believe like you know it's just like any any uh you know we we do put some I guess it is a kind of pressure we do you know we want our kids to do well in, in whatever they're doing whether it's music or sports or whatever so once he expressed like expressed interest and showed talent in it there's definitely i think a kind of balance that we have to strike in terms of like pushing him to practice at, at times to sort of have that discipline because now he's also taking up the guitar and i'm like okay make sure you're still you know you're still working the piano you're still working the ambita which is the other instrument he plays and um i think that's the kind of role of a parent is to to help help with guidance and help to help to 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 uh encourage the discipline that they need because it does take mm-hmm. discipline music is not it's not just about fun right so for instance this recent gig he was into he wanted to do the gig and then he he kind of tried to back out in the last minute i was like dude you were getting paid as a professional so you need to like you you would you would kind of be sabotaging yourself in the in the music industry if you if you just kind of pull out of things like that so i did push him so there is moments when yeah i, I have to be mom and be like no that's that's not how it's done um but but I, most of all, mostly especially with this project, like it's very much he's into it, and like he was right there with me, like wanting, like we had late nights at the studio till like one a.m. He was like, you know, all all about it. So that was it's actually more fun when it's when it's less about like you know you should do this, da, 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 you should practice your piano. It's, it's more just like he's really down for the down for awesome. the project. Yeah, that's really cool. The first single off of the album, I'm going to try to pronounce this. Is it? Is it? Ecouche? Ecouche. Ecouche. It sounds like French, but it's not French. <laughs> what, is it, what does it mean? In what language is it in? That's also a, a complex, uh, a good question, but a complex question to answer. Um, so I am also a Sangoma, which means healer in, in um, Southern Africa. It's a word used okay. in like Zimbabwe and South Africa and other Southern African countries. Um, and so through that work, uh, I do work with ancestors and and so there's a literally part of our our tradition involves channeling ancestral spirits and so uh the language that comes through in songs like akuche and parts of um Eshu and oshun and mother's home is actually an ancestral a language of incest, ancestral invocation mm. so it, it's like a chant prayer language chant. okay yeah well so tell me tell me about this um I don't know if I if I call it a song or not, but tell me t- tell mm-hmm. me about the single and and why that was your first you know why that was the first single that was released from the album. I mean, <laughs> it was done first, so that that's part of it. Um, like I wrote it, I sort of had recorded it first, mm-hmm. um, but also I did feel it was a good way to start and a good way to introduce to the project because um, again, it it really speaks to to the essence of what of what this project is about which is um very much about connection to spirit um and 
uh, the spirit into the earth, praying, uh, praying and, and wanting something better for the earth in terms of like healing and um, more care for the planet. Um, so that that's all part of the meeting. I um, it's a it's a prayer for the healing for healing of the waters, um, and so yeah, it's all part of part of the meaning of the song and uh, and speaks to to the themes that are throughout the album. And I think it's interesting. Yeah, for me, it's still one of the one of the songs that um, it's very uh, it, it still feels very healing. Like sometimes as a musician, as an artist, like you kind of like you know, <laughs> I'm sure you guys might have experience like this with things that are your passions, like sometimes when something becomes work or once you've practiced it so many times, it can kind of lose its, lose its, uh, it's thrill for you. But that's one of the songs that for me, it's still, it's still very healing to sing it. It's still very, uh, enjoyable and soothing to sing it. So, uh, yeah, I'm very happy that that was the one. It's not always one that, you know, um, it doesn't necessarily speak to all audiences because some audiences, at least for instance, like on Spotify, there's not like lots of playlists for music in other languages, for example. So it's not as easy to push that song, but at the same time, yeah. I, for me, it's actually one of the ones that's sort of dear, closer to my heart. Sure. Mm. Speak, speaking of Spotify, let's, let's sort of take it in that direction. Do you take a look at the, you know, the dozen or so songs off of the album and say, okay, these ones let's push on Spotify. Like how does, how does that game work for you and your music? Um, it's interesting that you asked again, like that's something I've only recently, like literally one year, um, it's one, just over a year since I've been sort of pushing my music on Spotify. It was kind of, you know, and it's, it's in some ways as, as a result of COVID because, you know, prior to that, as an artist, my, more of my focus was on, you know, you're, you're a musician, you're singing, you're, you're writing songs, you're practicing, um, and then sort of hustling for gigs, right? Like that's where the main yeah. money comes in. And then there was a time when sort of like, even I was selling quite a bit of CDs at gigs. And so that was, that was the focus. Um, but with COVID obviously, you know, live gigging was not really a thing anymore. And so, um, that it kind of pushed me and provided me the time to, to focus online for a little bit. And that's when I, uh, I started working with a, a manager, sort of assistant manager who, who's helping, helping has helped me to sort of strategize. And it's like, yeah, you got to get your stuff on Spotify. And, and so we started to do that. And, you know, really it's all the songs, like the ideas to push all the songs as much as possible on Spotify, because there'll be different audiences for each of them, you know? And, and that is one major way that folks are connecting to music now. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great, it's a great way to, to reach new audiences that you can't reach through a live show necessarily. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Things have definitely changed, you know, since we're going through COVID right now. And again, hopefully knock on wood, we're nearing <laughs> hopefully the end of it. Um, yes. as, as you were pulling together this project, oh, sorry, I guess first question is how long was the process to pull together this project and then was it impacted by COVID in how you released it and helped promote it? Um, could you just repeat re- the very end of the question? Like, was it impacted by COVID and then how long? Well, and yeah, then- like, what, like how long was the process to, to bring this project together? Did you start it, you know, before COVID, during COVID? And then did that have any impact on how you released, when you released and how you promoted it today? Hmm. Um, well, I mean, the writing and so on, um, the songs were written actually over months, maybe over a mm-hmm. year, um, before, um, some before mm-hmm. COVID, some maybe mm-hmm. during a little bit during the earlier stages of COVID. But then when I decided to, to put them together on an album, um, 
and I got some support for it uh, through the Canada uh, Council for the Arts. Um, then I, I wanted to, I sort of wanted to, to push it really, um, I, I sort of gave myself a bit of a, a time crunch. I wanted to get it out by the spring. Um, and so, yeah, we, we basically um, did the arrangements and the recording um, in like months. Um, and that's, that's pretty fast. Uh, like gently, you know, I know some, I know they're faster, uh, in history. There are people who've done it faster, like in a week, if you're just doing everything live off the floor or whatever, but for like, for a produced album, like that, we're like, we're layering stuff and, and sort of producing on the, as we go, um, that was, it, yeah, it was, it involved a pretty intense schedule over the course of a month. And then with mixing, it was an extra week or two, maybe just six weeks max. And we finished it. And then, yeah, I wanted to get it out um, by the spring. Like, and, and I think, again, that it speaks to, like, I called the album Emergency. There was something, there was a pressure in me that was, that was building that, that this thing needed to be released. Um, and, and I think it was stuff that had sort of been building as, it, you know, the writing process had happened during that. Um, COVID was kind of like this incubation period, I think, for, I mean, it's not over, but, you know, especially that the first year, 2020, it didn't feel bad at that time. It just was like, okay, this is, this is a chance for me. And I think many people in the world to sort of turn in to, to, you know, maybe spend more time in nature, spend more time with yourself and, and uh, really do some things that you haven't done before. Right. Um, so yeah, absolutely. It did impact that. And then the sort of urgency to get it out. Um, that was more a personal, a personal push around. Um, again, I called it emergency, uh, a need and that's that, speaks to the urgency but it also speaks to the the need to emerge um and and for me that was really critical it's almost like a kind of coming out of the closet not as queer but like as a as a healer as a sangoma as a musician in some ways too because i really feel that there's been um for myself some sometimes issues of confidence that have held me back but also also the things in the industry that i'm trying to speak to more where i think um to be honest like they're you know if you look at the landscape in the industry right now um you know, for example, you know, uh, I look at the uh, top 10 record labels in Toronto and like only 10% of their roster are people of color. And that's in a city that's like more than 50% um, visible minority. Right. And so like for me, it's like really facing some of these some of these uh, barriers that have been placed as, as a woman, as a person of color, as a queer person and, and starting to sort of come out in terms of naming these things more. Um, and trying to be less afraid around, uh, I'm pushing back. Um, you know, it's a bit of a, a war cry, <laughs> like, like mother's home. It's a bit of a war cry in terms of, mm-hmm. uh, just coming out in terms of who I am, I'm a healer. I'm, and this is, this is our battle, our battle. This is about our survival, just being able to speak our truth, um, honestly and openly. So I hope that you probably got more, <laughs> more no, of an answer than you even, uh, expected there. Yeah. 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 No, I appreciate it. Um, the song "Better Day," I think it. it uh, I think it's the last song or second last song on uh, off of the album "Emergency." Um, tell us about that song, uh, the inspiration behind it, and and sort of what it means to you. Yeah, um, well, that song was written literally uh, in the wake of the George Floyd murder and the uh, and the uprising. And it's like that the first question you asked, right? Like in terms of the, the connection between the social organizing and, and music, it was um, it was a moment where, you know, I think I think a lot of us were like, okay, what what does one do? You know, I wasn't I did go to the one rally that was here, but you know, um, 
there was a moment, a historical moment where, where energy was needed um, and where there was, we were all feeling something really um, impactful in terms of um, both the pain of, of seeing, um, you know, the murder and, and, and mostly seeing it in context of all the, the murders of the police brutality and all the oppression that's happened over the years. Um, and so, yeah, just very much raw pain, but at the same time, um, being ready, being inspired to, to do something because you see that there's this energy building. It's like, okay, this is our, this is a moment to, um, where we can really shift the balance, you know, and we've always been pushing, we've always been fighting. It's not like this, it just started then. Absolutely not. But there was something again, and, and I, and COVID played a role where there was a certain amount of a breath that people, there were, people had time where they were like, you know, we're going to, we're going to use this time to push for something better. <laughs> and so, yeah, better day was my answer to that. It was, it was, uh, it was sort of a solve in terms of healing for myself and, and offering that to other people. But also again, there's, there's, if you listen to the lyrics, there's, there's some sort of, uh, hard lyrics, but they're, they're, uh, lyrics that talk about, you know, needing to pick up stones to protect the ones we love. Like, it's not just all like, Oh, sweet. Uh, let's, let's come by and hold hands. Like it, it was, uh, it was drawing people's attention to the fact that we've been pushed to the point where we actually have to fight. We have to fight just to live. And that's not right. Nobody wants to do that, but, um, but that's a reality. And, uh, and we, we all want peace, but, um, but we, more than that, we need to live, right? We need to, we need to stay alive. So yeah, that was, mm. that was what Better Day was, was, was speaking to and speaking from. I hope that answers it. Awesome. No, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah. So I want to sort of take a, take a swerve here. Um, talk about one of these uh, community initiatives that you're, uh, that you're running. You're, you're, you're raising funds or you're planning some sort of a, a, a village. Yes. Uh, it, t- 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 tell us about this. What, what's, what's happening? What are you, what are you doing? So um, I've always been involved in, in community projects, as I mentioned, since university onward. Um, actually, even before that. But um, this particular project is called the Sankofa Maroon Village. Um, it's the parent organization is called Moyowa Africa. Um, and that organization has been doing, it's uh, led by myself and, uh, we've been doing cultural education programming for folks of African descent for, um, over 10 years in Toronto. Um, then at about five years ago, um, sort of we shifted our energies or actually it was me because by that point, the, you know, some of our activities had kind of tapered off and it was, it was, uh, we went on a little hiatus. And then when I started things up again, we, we shifted to a focus, um, to doing programming out of the city because of a need for see, seeing and um, feeling a need for pe- people of African descent to have access to healing um, through connection to nature and, um, and, and not just connection to nature, but um, cultural programming that's happening in that context, you know? So it's, and again, the integration of those things because our traditions, just like indigenous traditions from this part of the world, our traditions um, are also indigenous traditions from somewhere else and, and they connect us to land, to, to elements of nature. Um, and so uh, ran out of a space called Adinkra Farm, which is outside of Barrie. Um, and then we did that for several years and kind of built up a little bit of uh, a little bit of momentum. And then this year we got our own space, which is uh, two hours northwest of Toronto in the Collingwood, just north of Collingwood. And uh, and we are we're using that space to create an intentional community. And the first, as far as we know, the first African-centered intentional community uh, north of the <laughs> U.S. Canada border. Um, wow! 
and we're working to, you know, one of our, our, um, part of our mandate also is to connect with indigenous local indigenous people as well. Yes. Um, and really just to provide a space for, for African descended people to, um, to come out and farm, grow food, grow their own food, to connect to each other's community, to connect to land. And then we provide cultural programming there as well. Um, and there are opportunities for folks to sort of either live there um, or um, sort of have it as a retreat, like a timeshare. So very early stages now, but we're kind of growing our membership and building partnerships with different Toronto-based organizations. And that's really exciting. Yeah. And I've, nice. you know, I've, I'm a... I'm a part-time organic gardener, although I'm not, you know, that's not my expertise, but again, it's like, it's kind of, I think it's an important basic skill. And that's one of the things that I've, you know, really wanted for my son, for example, to learn to grow his own food and stuff. I think mm-hmm. it's important. So, yeah. That's, that's great. I, uh, I noticed that along with the fundraising, uh, I thought was interesting was the memberships that were available. So, you know, different level of, levels of memberships that allowed you different access in terms of number of, would it be the number of nights that you could stay there? I think the, the middle one was like 180 days or nights at the facility. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. So we're kind of using like almost like a gym membership kind of yeah. idea where you, you know, folks it's community supported. Mm-hmm. So they're paying um, and then sharing access to the, to the space, you know, and then we do want to have like, I, we're working towards getting funding so that some memberships can be fully subsidized so that, because the point is really, we don't want there to be barriers to access for any of um, our community members. And so even, even now, even without funding, you know, we're open to barter and we're, we're really, we're really there to sort of work for people. Um, even, you know, folks don't have cars where we will help organize, um, carpooling and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's kind of the model we're using. And so far it seems to be working well. And I, I think, uh, I think we'll, you know, we'll build on it as, as we go, but, uh, but I think it's it's it forms a good framework for for a way to sort of be community supported, but also um, you know allow folks the, the level of of involvement that suits them individually. Yeah, awesome. fantastic initiative. Amai, there's um, a segment that we have on the on the show called Lost Venues. Uh, so uh, our our question to you is. You know, throughout the years where you've been uh, gigging and playing, uh, you know, live shows, obviously, uh, maybe not recently, but is there a venue, whether it's uh, uh, locally or internationally, uh, that you've played at, that you have great memories of that, you know, just happens to not exist anymore? Yes, there is. Um, the first one that came to mind, I think there's, there's probably more than one, but um First one that I thought of was Train, Train Studio, which uh, used to be there on Bathurst Street, north of Bloor, um, and it was run by Frank Francis. Um, and yeah, it was just a really important um, sort of cornerstone of, of the community, I think, as for people of African descent, but for everybody who loved jazz. And, and uh, it was just an awesome place to sort of appreciate um, particularly Black music. Um, but yeah, just... Uh, it was, it was a really cool spot. And uh, I remember playing a, a gig there. I was, there was actually like a, a CBC black history month show that, um, that we did there, um, which was really, that was a, a pretty exciting and nerve wracking event. Cause it was CB for CBC and like live to air. Um, I think for the national program. So that was uh, very exciting. And uh, I uh, remember it fondly and, and, you know, Frank's still doing his thing and, and uh, hopefully there'll be something like that again soon. Awesome. Train. Yeah, I've never never heard of that. Okay, interesting. Um, Greg. 
Cream. How are you, buddies? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Sorry, so, my Greg. Greg. Greg didn't show up to rehearsal yesterday, so <laughs> he's uh, all good. He's he's a little off. I gave him the whole summer off. He's like he's he asking for more time off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so my, I know I know you're gonna share with us. Or, uh, uh, you're gonna play a song for us um, today, and. Uh, just wanted to know if you could give a little sort of background to what the song is and, you know, a background to the song and, and why it's important to you. Yes. Um, I'm going to play uh, from Oshun, which is again, you know, sort of following on the trajectory of what we've spoken of today. Um, it's a song um, that is rooted in, in my practice and my work as a Sangoma is working in African uh, spiritual traditions um, although again, one of the complex things is that, uh, you know, for many of us, we, we have multiple lineages. Those of us who are, you know, descendants who are, our ancestors came through the slave trade. So, you know, Sangoma is a Southern African word, but Oshun is actually a deity in the West African tradition, um, the Yoruba tradition. And she is a deity of, of a goddess of what we say, what we call sweet water. Um, so all fresh waters, lakes, rivers, um, and remain things in life. She's also very fierce. She's a warrior as well. Um, and she, um, she's, uh, you know, she's one you, you go to for, for wealth and money, um, for help with, as a woman, for help with women's issues and that kind of thing. So, um, and then she earned for her rank with the health of our waters. Um, so, yeah, the song is, is sort of a, a fun um, thing to sing. Uh, and so, again, it's uh, uh, important and, and sort of fierce moment where I get to, to be more open about um, and more confident in, in speaking to, speaking of um, African traditions. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited to share that for you guys. And uh, hope you enjoy it. I pray for love. I pray for beauty. Ye bere ocean. Ye bere ocean. We pray for money. We pray for sweetness. Ye bere ocean. Ye bere ocean. I pray for love. I pray for beauty. Ye bere ocean. Ye bere ocean. We pray for money, oh. We pray for sweetness, yeah, better ocean, yeah, better ocean. Just like the sun shining on the lake, that your kisses will touch us every day. And just like the rain falling from the sky, that your blessings will wash through our life. Oh yeah, better ocean, oh yeah, better ocean. I pray for love, I pray for beauty, We pray for money, we pray for sweetness, Just like the vulture up in the sky. Can we eat? 
death and turn it into life. And just like the pumpkin growing on the vine, that your bounty will fill our life. Oh yeah, baby, Oshun. Oh yeah, baby, Oshun. Oshun, Oshun, oh yeah, baby. Oh yeah, baby, Oshun. Oh yeah, baby, Oshun. Oshun, Oshun, oh yeah, baby. Awesome. Thanks, so much. That was a yeah. great song. <laughs> Appreciate that. Thank you. So, so one of the questions I just realized like... uh, one of, well, two things that I overlooked. So I was saying two things I overlooked before. I'm sorry about my phone. And also now the light is fading terribly. <laughs> I'm getting more and more in darkness. I hope. Do you think that's okay still? That's that's fine. It's, we, it's, nature, it's, right? it's fine. It's fine. I, I got to be honest with you. This has happened a few times when we've interviewed people, and okay. Kareem just gets really wigged out between day and night because he doesn't <laughs> quite understand it. If you if you go back and listen to our interview with Justine Giles, like it, there's that, and then there was there was I don't know, I can't remember. Vin um, Rock Strickland, Vin Rock. Yeah, Cream yeah. Cream doesn't do well. He doesn't quite understand day and night yet. So we're working on that with him. But <laughs> we'll get him there. We'll get him there. Uh, well, I'm I, from I Scarborough. Our school's taught us different. <laughs> <laughs> I should have just turned on the light. I'm sorry, but then I thought it would be awkward in the middle of the interview oh. to get up and, and turn it on. <laughs> all good. It's all good. So, so one of the questions that we like to ask our guests before we wrap it up is, um, what's in your earbuds lately? What do you listen to that people should be checking out? Oh, well, um, I'm listening to a lot of things. Uh, you can, one thing I will say, if you want to know what I'm listening to on a continuous basis, you can check out this playlist I have called Afro Soul, um, Move, Dance, Heal, I think is the, the full name on Spotify. Um, cool. But at the top of that right now, there's an artist named Isult, who's, uh, she has this song with um, piano and voice that's just like, <laughs> it's one of those songs that I can't stop listening to. I just keep playing it on repeat. It just like gets me every time. Um, 
and um, there's uh, another artist named Pongo, who's also uh, another African artist. Um, who else? Uh, Santa Gold. That would be my third, my third name. Uh, I really enjoy a lot of Santa Gold tunes. Sometimes it gets me gets me ready to do my work. <laughs> awesome. What's the what's awesome. the name of that playlist again? It's called Afro Soul Move Dance Heal. Afro Soul Move Dance Heal. We'll check it out on on yep. Spotify. Amai, thank you so much for being our guest today. Um, if people want to uh, listen to your music, uh, buy your album, uh, find out more about uh, you and what uh, you and the band are up to, where can they go? Uh, Spotify is a great place to listen to the music. We have um, several of our songs also have YouTube videos. So that's another place. Mm-hmm. Um, and for sure, um, we're also on social media um, at Amaikura Elebois on Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, and now getting venturing into TikTok a little bit. Mm. Uh, and yeah, so, so definitely like we like to, we get messages from people there, direct messages, and it's really nice to, uh, to connect with people that way, you know, like we're, we're still accessible. <laughs> so, so it's fun to, to get messages from folks and hear what they think and feel about the music. But please do reach wow. out. That's great. Awesome. Thank you so much. And all yes. the best uh, with the music. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for having me.